Welcome to EASO Podcasts. We are pleased to present skin cancer, an overlooked member of the oncology family, with Agatha Rembilak from the Christie NHS Foundation Trust and the University of Manchester in Manchester, United Kingdom. Please take a minute to introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Agatha Rempilak and I'm a clinical and radiation oncologist with special interest in non-melanoma skin cancer. I work at the Christie Hospital in Manchester, United Kingdom. I have particular interest in skin brachytherapy and in geriatric oncology. So, should we all worry about skin cancer and how common it is? Traditionally, there are two big groups of skin cancers. Melanoma, arising from melanocytes, and non-melanoma, arising from all other cells found in the skin. Non-melanoma term covers a variety of different neoplasms, including keratinocyte tumors such as basal cell carcinoma, or BCC, and cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma, SCC, also Merkel cell carcinoma, and rare skin pathologies such as skin adnexal tumors, skin in lymphomas, and dermatosarcomas. Collectively, BCC and SCC arising from skin accounts for 95% of all skin cancers, with BCC being the most common type of non-melanoma skin cancer. Non-melanoma skin cancer is also the most common cancer worldwide and the most common malignancy in adults. To put this high incidence into context and figures, Australia has the highest incidence of non-melanoma skin cancer, exceeding 2,000 cases per 100,000 people per year. In United States, approximately 3 million individuals are diagnosed each year. It is estimated that one in six Americans will develop skin cancer during their lifetime. Over 97% are non-melanoma skin cancer. In Europe, for example, in the UK, around 160,000 cases are diagnosed each year, what would account for more than 400 cases every day. Overall, the incidence of BCC increased by 145% and of squamous cell carcinoma by 263%. The reasons for such significant increase are multifactorial, with leading causes down to aging population, lifetime sun exposure, and possible greater awareness, hence earlier diagnosis. The incidence is multiplied in immunocompromised patients, including in those on systemic treatment for cancer or organ transplant patient. To add to the severity of the problem, it's worth noting that all available data likely represent and underestimate 
due to poor registering. Fortunately, in contrast to melanoma, mortality from non-melanoma skin cancer remains relatively low and accounts for less than 1% of all cancer deaths. That could be one of the reasons why non-melanoma skin cancer is often an overlooked member of oncology family. Nevertheless, such high incidence um, has already proved a massive burden on healthcare systems across the globe and the cost of non-melanoma skin cancer treatment continue to rapidly rise alongside its incidence. I see. And what are the recent developments in skin cancer radiotherapy? Given the rapidly rising incidence in non-melanoma skin cancer and the fact that most of these cancers are either preventable or curable, there is a growing interest in non-melanoma skin cancer worldwide. Sur surgery remains the mainstay treatment, but it is worth noting that radiotherapy has been successfully and uninterruptedly used to treat skin cancer since radium discovery by Maria Skłodowska Curie and Pierre Curie more than 100 years ago. With the advent of new radiation techniques, new treatment machines and computer treatment planning systems, we can now deliver radiotherapy and brachytherapy safely and effectively to our patients. One of the relatively recent development in skin radiotherapy is electronic brachytherapy. Although called brachytherapy, which for some listeners would be a synonymous of radi radionuclide HDR type of treatment, electronic brachytherapy actually delivers treatment from a low energy miniaturized X-ray source. The low energy allows for treatment to be delivered in an unshielded room with less exposure to the staff and there is no radiation leakage in off conditions. Users can also adjust energy and current to achieve desired dose rate. There is also no radioactive waste and transport of unit is not an issue from radio protection side. One of the limiting factors that currently impede the use of electronic brachytherapy for interstitial application is the source dimension. However, it's highly anticipated that the design of miniaturized X-ray tubes closer to the dimension of an Iridium 192 wire is not too far away. The other development that has changed skin radiotherapy is three-dimensional printing technology. Such technology allows users to confidently create patient-specific accessories that significantly reduce air gaps, spare healthy tissue, and provide superior dose distribution compared to traditional methods. 3D printed technology is used in external beam radiotherapy when bolus is required, for example, in skin radiotherapy with electrons. It is also used in skin brachytherapy, allowing for creation of individual molds with catheters for contact brachytherapy. 3D printing technology has been rapidly expanding and it's now tested to create not only a bolus, but also 3D printed shielding. 
Traditionally in skin radiotherapy we use custom-made lead shields to reduce radiation doses to surrounding healthy tissues, but they are often found by our patients to be uncomfortable, mainly heavy and cold. The process of fabricating these shields is labor-intensive, time-consuming and requires skilled team in addition to uh, environmental impact. 3D printed shields are printed from a high-density bronze-based filament and are currently undergoing clinical testing. And how successful is skin radiotherapy and which patients should consider this option? In non-melanoma skin cancer, radiotherapy has been successfully used in definitive, adjuvant and palliative settings. Despite skin radiotherapy being used for more than a century, in some way it bypassed its evaluation process. As a result, unfortunately, these days we don't have strong evidence coming from randomized clinical trials involving radiotherapy in non-melanoma skin cancer. However, there are a few meta-analyses that I would like to highlight. In 2013, Lansbury published her paper on interventions for non-metastatic squamous cell carcinoma on the skin. It was systematic review and pool analysis of observational studies with follow-up up to five years. Among patients uh, treated with radiation, she found local recurrence of 6.4% in 761 patients with diagnosis of skin SCC treated with external beam radiotherapy, and 88 patients uh, were treated with brachytherapy and local recurrence in this group was 5.2%. In 2017, Zorski and um, co-authors published a meta-analysis of hypofractionated radiotherapy for non-melanoma skin cancer with uh, more than 9,700 9, 9, patients with median local recurrence 2% in one year and 14, 14% at five years. Cosmesis assessed by physicians was good in 92% of patients. In 2019, Garante and co-authors published a meta-analysis on hypofractionated radiotherapy, where more than two gray per fraction was delivered to 12,000 patients with non-melanoma skin cancer of whom a quarter were patients with squamous cell cancer and covering 40 publications. They found local recurrence of 8% and um, follow-up uh, between 2 and 77 months. The authors um, stated that hypofractionated radiotherapy is an option that confers no obvious disadvantage in local control when compared to traditional more protracted radiotherapy schedules. 
Zawarski also published Scribe meta-analysis comparing external beam radiotherapy and brachytherapy in 2018. Um, he included almost um, 10,000 patients who received external beam radiotherapy and 553 received brachytherapy across 24 studies. And they found that brachytherapy had favorable cosmesis over external beam radiotherapy for both BCC and skin SCC at common fractionation regimes. With comment from authors that prospective studies comparing external beam and brachytherapy are warranted. So coming back to the question, Yes, radiotherapy is an excellent non-invasive, effective and safe technique and may offer a better cosmetic and functional outcome in comparing to surgery. Skin radiotherapy definitely should be considered in patients with significant contraindications to surgery, to those that don't want surgery or with cancer located in cosmetic and or functional sensitive um, areas, for example, on lips, nose or on ear. Skin radiotherapy is also an excellent non-invasive choice in elderly and frail patients in whom um, hyperfractionation uh, can improve their compliance with treatment. So could you explain if there's a role of systemic treatments in keratinocyte tumors? Chemotherapy has got limited role in locally advanced and metastatic non-melanoma skin cancer due to relatively high toxicity and poor efficacy. Traditional chemotherapy affects all rapidly dividing cells, so more targeted approach has been developed. Targeted therapy interferes with cancer cell growth by blocking specific target molecules required in carcinogenesis and in tumor development. Many agents have been used in locally advanced and metastatic non-melanoma skin cancer with various outcomes. I would like to mention targeted therapy that has been relatively recently licensed in locally advanced and metastatic non-melanoma skin cancers. In BCC, so-called the sonic hedgehog pathway is involved in cell differentiation and proliferation. Its deregulation is very important in BCC genesis. Vismodagib and sonidagib represent oral hedgehog signaling pathway agents and are licensed for treatment of locally advanced BCC. Vismodagib is also licensed to treat metastatic BCC. The efficacy of Vismotegib was assessed in two clinical trials called Erivans and Stevie, indicating response rate in the range of 60% in locally advanced BCC and 40% in metastatic BCC with median response duration of 26 months in locally advanced BCC and 15 months in metastatic BCC. Given the duration of treatment, these drugs are relatively expensive and may cause toxicity with commonly seen muscular spasms, alopecia and GI problems seen in about 50% of treated patients. 
In skin SCC, immunotherapy has becoming a cornerstone in locally advanced and metastatic patients. This treatment acts by inhibiting immune checkpoints. Semiplimab is currently licensed in patients with locally advanced and metastatic skin SCC who are not eligible for curative surgery or radiotherapy. The pivotal trial that led to the drug approval was a phase 2 study called EMPOWER SCC1. A study update presented at ASCO 2020 indicated an overall response rate of 46%, complete response rate of 16% and median rate, median time to complete recurrence of 11 months in um, 89 responders. Semiplimab requires intravenous administration every three weeks. The cost of therapy is regarded as um, high, especially when ideally it should be maintained as long as possible. The main side effects of semiplimab include fatigue, rash and GI symptoms in about a quarter of the patients. There is an obvious interest in the use of systemic treatment in adjuvant setting or neoadjuvant setting in combination with surgery and or radiotherapy. There are currently ongoing studies investigating the potential of systemic treatment in such settings. And what about the psychosocial aspect in skin cancer? Unfortunately, the psychosocial aspect of skin cancer diagnosis and treatment is often forgotten or neglected. Yes, as we discussed earlier, BCC and skin SCC are the most commonly diagnosed cancers worldwide and in majority of patients they are curable and not life-threatening. In addition to economic impact with burden on healthcare services, non-melanoma skin cancer can have negative impact on quality of life. Non-melanoma skin cancer comes with a high rate of recurrences and subsequent primaries, commonly in such sensitive area as head and neck region. Facial disfigurement, either by cancer or subsequent treatment, can lead to significant levels of anxiety, distress and social withdrawal. Unfortunately, research into psychosocial aspect of skin cancer and the supportive care needs is very limited. The literature evidence shows significant concerns in the affected individuals that skin cancer is impacting on their physical and emotional well-being. Interestingly, these concerns are persistent also in patients with small, low-risk cancers and are also present after cancer treatment. They can also impact on families and carers. Patients report embarrassment, feeling self-conscious, worried about future skin cancer and anxious about side effects from their treatment. Some are depressed and isolate due to self-social withdrawal. One study of psychosocial aspect of skin cancer showed that 40% of surveyed patients 
indicated unmet need for help at a moderate or high level, despite being diagnosed six months prior to the study enrollment. The study highlighted the lasting effect of skin cancer on patients that are still present even months after their diagnosis and treatment. Healthcare professionals play a pivotal role in recognizing the need for psychosocial support and in directing patients to appropriate services. It does not have to be a clinician. Our skin nurses and radiographers also have great opportunity in assessing patients' needs. As with early detection of skin cancer, early recognition of skin cancer-related issues can give higher chances of providing successful support. We have to remember that many patients affected by skin cancer are elderly and frail, many with capacity issues, for example due to dementia, and they may not proactively seek such support. Supportive care could include simple advice on skin care and dressings if required, or more complex with referral for psychological or psychiatry input. It is now for time for more collaborative interdisciplinary effort to derive a robust evidence-based approach for the optimal management of non-melanoma skin cancer before it becomes a real global health threat. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you'd like to reach Dr. Agatha Rembilak, you can write her directly at agatha.rembilak at nhs.net. That's A-G-A-T-A dot R-E-M-B-I-E-L-A-K at nhs.net. Thanks for listening. Please remember to follow us on social media for information regarding our upcoming podcasts. Thank you.